Welcome to an exclusive podcast brought to you by VG Oncology, an open access video journal that provides healthcare professionals with trusted and up-to-date information in oncology through innovative digital media, including video interviews, podcasts, webcasts, and more. Today, we hear from Jeffrey Oxnard from the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. He's going to start by discussing the use of liquid biopsy in genotyping for resistance mechanisms in lung cancer and the importance of genotyping patients up front to improve their overall outcomes. He gives us some interesting practical comments on sequencing of biopsies and treatment. We're learning more and more about how to target different resistance mechanisms in advanced lung cancer. That story was initially about T790M, but now we're finding um, MET amplification is a recurring resistance mechanism. We had a recent paper in EGFR mutant lung cancer that when you develop MET amplification and you add a MET inhibitor, savalitinib, you can overcome resistance and get cancers to respond again. Uh, we see this uh, in MET mutant lung cancer. You can develop a MET mutation and you can switch from one type of MET inhibitor to another type of MET inhibitor. And of course, we know we're seeing this in ALK, where if you have certain types of ALK resistance mechanisms, you can switch to a different flavor of ALK inhibitor, and you can again develop a response. And what that means is that through using precision uh, cancer genotyping strategies at resistance, we can help prolong the benefit from targeted therapy and prevent the need for eventual chemotherapy. But doing this is tricky it requires repeat genotyping. Not just knowing what the genotype is initially, but knowing what the genotype is at resistance. And that is where we develop this enthusiasm, the initial enthusiasm for liquid biopsies. Because of course, for an advanced cancer patient, it's hard to genotype again. And so thus we started using cell-free DNA as a, as a way to find T790M, to look for MET mutations and ALK mutations, to look for amplification and it works sometimes. When you find that resistance mechanism, it's a signal that you can pursue, but you don't always find what you're looking for. And that's where we develop this initial paradigm that liquid biopsy genotyping is a first pass, but because sensitivity is not perfect, you need to use that resistance biopsy as a fallback plan. I think that's especially true when we start looking for trickier and trickier resistance mechanisms. Met amplification is actually pretty hard to find on a liquid biopsy. You need a lot of DNA floating around, a lot of tumor DNA. And so if you do a, a quick NGS at resistance, you might miss MET amplification. And so in my patients, for example, with EGFR resistance, I'll send a liquid biopsy. I'll look for one of these emerging resistance mechanisms, C797S. But if I don't see something, I'm pursuing that biopsy as my fallback plan because the tumor biopsy at resistance gives me MET amplification gives me small cell transformation, allows me to find acquired fusions. I've seen acquired out fusions, acquired ret fusions, and all of these are harder to find in the blood. And we use the tumor resistance biopsy as the fallback plan. Let's talk about using liquid biopsies instead of at resistance upfront for initial genotyping of lung cancer. I don't know about you, but in my cancer patients, not every, pan, every patient gets a genotype figured out. Why is that? You know, I try to genotype, genotype all my patients, but sometimes the tissue is not adequate. Sometimes I don't have time to wait around for the tumor genotyping results 
And often I just can't get my hands on the specimen. The patient has come from a couple hours away. Another hospital has the specimen. I ask for the tissue to do genotyping. They've sent the tissue out somewhere else. I don't know what's pending. And so how do I solve this problem? I send a liquid biopsy upfront to help me genotype that patient efficiently so I can plan first line therapy. I need those results both because I'm looking for a targeted option. I wanna find Ichvar, ALK, ROS, BRAF, RET, MET, each of these leading to pill therapy options that are standard of care or investigational. But I also wanna use those genotyping results to help me figure out whether immunotherapy is a good option, right? I need to know EGFR, ALK, if they have an EGFR, ALK positive, Immunotherapy is not a good plan for them. I, I need to use targeted therapy and uh, Pembro is not likely to work even if they're PD-L1 positive. And so I bring together genotyping results and PD-L1 results to make a decision in the first line. And, and sometimes, you know, there's some urgency. We got to get going on treatment. What I find is if I send a liquid biopsy. We're often using an NGS panel that gives me many, many mutations. I can get results back usually around eight or nine days. And what that means is when I meet that first patient, I say, look, we could start treatment next week, but if we start next week, we're gonna be starting with limited data. How about we start treatment in two weeks? Let's plan treatment in two weeks, and in two weeks, I can have all of the results that I need to effectively plan a precision treatment strategy for you. Dr. Oxnard has taken this thinking a step further in his publication in the Annals of Oncology in March 2020, looking at the multi-detection of multiple cancer types using blood screening through circulating tumor cell-free DNA, which he thinks could pave the way for a potential screening program for multiple cancer types. Once we have become masters at using plasma DNA genomics for genotyping our lung cancer patients, we start thinking, how can we use these technologies next? And, and we should remember that plasma DNA has actually been used as a diagnostic for many years in medicine for pregnant women where we look in the free-floating DNA for characteristics of the fetus, to look for fetal abnormalities, okay? And that is really a detection strategy. We're not genotyping, we're looking for signals. Uh, and and this, that means, you know, these blood tubes are everywhere. There, there are huge applications across medicine. The, the new idea we're using more and more is can we use this cell-free DNA not to genotype a cancer, but to actually detect a cancer in a patient at risk of cancer. And that's a whole nother uh, area of development. Uh, these are, these are diagnostics being developed in patients who are cured of their cancer, looking for residual cancer, and in patients who might be screening for cancer. And so this uh, relates to a recent publication we put out in collaboration with a company called Grail. These are the results of the CCGA study, the Circulating Cancer Geno uh, Genotyping Atlas, Circulating Cancer Genomics Atlas, where we are looking through the free-floating DNA for signals of cancer and trying to figure out in cancer patients, can we identify a diagnostic that reliably finds cancer that's not present in non-cancer patients? This is a big study, enrolled 15,000 individuals. Initially, we looked at three different ways of analyzing the free-floating DNA, mutations like we use in liquid biopsies, uh, amplifications, copy number variation, like you use in, in prenatal screening in pregnant women, and methylation signatures, uh, which is sort of the new kid on the block. And actually what we found is that those methylation signatures were the most reliable way of finding cancer and figuring out what kind of cancer you had found. And so what we built was this targeted methylation panel 
that we then launched in a recent validation paper. And we published this in Annals of Oncology, showing that with this targeted methylation panel, we could detect huge numbers, many different types of cancers, especially high-risk cancers, with a really high specificity, greater than 99% specificity, so a less than 1% false positive rate. And you could detect a wide range of cancers, easier to find more advanced stage cancers, also can find earlier stage cancers, can find the more hard to find cancers like pancreatic cancer, ovarian cancer. And when you find a cancer signal, you can, using a machine learning algorithm, predict the tumor of origin. And so this gives us an idea, wow, maybe we can actually use these blood tests, not just for cancer genotyping, but for cancer detection. Uh, we are now launching new studies. Uh, we've launched the Pathfinder study, working with Grail, and we're actually uh, soon to be enrolling at Dana-Farber. Um, and we will be uh, testing patients who are at risk of cancer, offering a blood test on study. And then if those results come back positive, then we work up that result and try to figure out where is the cancer and how to treat it. And so once we sort of pilot how to use these blood tests in patients on controlled studies, our hope is over the coming time, we will be able to be able to offer these tests actually more broadly as a way of screening for cancer if we can find and show that they are safe and effective. And so that research is unrolling and, and hopefully is you know, coming to a center near you. Uh, this research could be, it could be available. If you have found this podcast useful, please leave a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast app, including Apple and Spotify, so we can continue to deliver expert-led content to you. Follow us on Twitter at VJ Oncology and join the conversation. Visit vjoncology.com for the latest updates in the field.